welcome to this feral life podcast uh we had actually started this podcast already however uh we had a giant thunderstorm and kind of lost everything which you know heck we're only about seven minutes in so it's okay we can start this all over uh and then what you missed the only thing you guys really missed out on was some really awesome sound effects from the lightning and some mild swearing from is the power off is the power off is it coming back on and a couple of arguments like that so um we were, we're talking yeah, we're back. Uh, and you, you guys didn't even miss us, so worked out really well. Today we're going to be talking about uh, fish and aquaculture and how that's going to work for you in a small uh, backyard farm or a homesteading operation. Uh, they work super, super well. They, as far as cost versus return, your fish are going to be really, really huge on that. They grow super, super fast. Uh, like for your tilapia in the south down here, you could run four batches of tilapia a year. If you're going to do backyard uh, aquaculture, I suggest uh, those above ground pools because you can get them for cheap. How you source those instead of buying them as you wait till the end of the season and you go and you check Craigslist and the marketplace and a lot of people are giving them away for free if you show up and uh, disassemble them. You know, like break them down for them. They're more than happy to give them to you. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, she would rather go slightly smaller. Yes. I have to bring my husband in because he's just go big or go home mentality. So um, you could do a uh, stock, uh, one of those, what are they, the stockpile or stock sorry, tank? Stock tank. Why am I, what happened there? I think the rain distracted me. Yeah. Okay. You can do a stock tank. Um, the, the round ones from Harbor Freight or from um, Tractor Supply. Um, so that's a, that's a nice start. You have to keep in mind the excess because you are going to, I mean, this is a very fast growing, efficient way to feed your family, um, but you are going to grow a lot. And so you have to keep in mind, like, how am I going to store it? You know, how am I going to process it? You know, you can't sell it because you need a wholesale license to sell it. Um, my husband likes to think he's slick and, and he wants to create memberships. And yeah, that's how, for people. that's how I'm looking at it. Okay. Is it like, you know, how like the, the VFW sells beer but they all they, they you have to buy a membership or like a day membership maybe that's just our local vmw but uh where you'd buy like a ten dollar membership and that would give you access to the beer because now you remember it's a club so i'm thinking i'm gonna go down to staples and print off a whole bunch of membership cards to the this feral life backyard fish farm and or fish keeping club or whatever and the uh, aquaculture club oh, there you go <laughs> aquaculture club and uh sell those cards for 50 or 100 bucks or whatever and they could present that card and get a little punch on it and that that uh, gets them a certain poundage of fish or you know whatever you're growing at the time allegedly allegedly <laughs> that's uh, yeah thank you allegedly, allegedly that's how i would allegedly do it allegedly yeah, but, um, so just keep that in mind, like how many mouths are you going to feed? You know, um, you can give away fish. So if you wanted to get in on it with a local family, you know, community, Hey, I mean, you guys grow your own little fish and you have your own little fish farm. That's really cool as heck. And it's actually a lot healthier and it tastes better. Yeah. You don't have to deal with the swampiness of, uh, like fish from a store. For example, like tilapia, there are a lot of those times those guys are grown in wastewater treatment facilities because they'll eat poo. Right. 
Yeah, not not cool. Um, so yeah, uh, and tilapia grows super fast. Realistically, in like a ten foot above ground pool, you could put a thousand tilapia fingerlings in there, right? And in four months, pull out two thousand pounds worth of meat. And that's not being unrealistic at all. That's 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 being relatively conservative. If you feed them, if you do like the the hybrid uh, Nile. Mozambique uh, guys, they're super fast growing um, and they do really well. Uh, so on tilapia, let's talk about those guys a little bit. We'll start at the top, right? So uh, tilapia, they're one of the fastest growing. The Mozambique hybrid guys, they grow from a one ounce little fingerling to over a pound in just four months. If you follow the intensive RAS type feeding uh, schedule, you can bump that up to almost a pound and a half in four months. But you're gonna feed them four times a day. They're just gonna, they're gonna do nothing but eat. Uh, now, uh, for you guys that are up north, uh, you can do the the pure blue strain tilapia. They can survive water down to 47 degrees. So they can do pretty well for you guys into your late fall before it freezes. You're doing, if you're doing above ground pool, you have a large body of water that's gonna, that's that takes a long time to cool down and a long time to heat back up. Uh, tilapia really don't give a dang how warm it gets. They care about how cold it gets. You definitely want to keep them above 55 degrees in the water or they just metabolically completely shut down. You can kind of hear a daughter singing in the background. She's just providing ambience. It's all it is. She's singing songs. Happiness. Like a canary. Yep. She likes to sing. So uh, those guys work out really, really well uh, for about everybody. Um, you can also grow those in like your stock tanks like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, IBC totes work really well for them. Uh, they, one thing that I found is that in every type of growing situation, you want the water moving in a spiral. Uh, just so that all the water moves in one big spiral. That's going to take and push all the poo to the middle. And then you have your, your outtake. So your suction is going to be under a plate. So we've seen people take a piece of plexiglass or, oh man, what is that other clear stuff called? Uh, it's not plexiglass. It's, uh, it's like the same kind of cutting board material, but they'll buy, they'll buy a big piece of it. They'll cut it into a circle. They'll put it about on, on little blocks, like one inch up off the bottom or on little rocks, one inch off the bottom and put their suction on there. So what happens is it causes that, that plate to now work to pull everything in. So as the water spirals around, all the poo gets pushed to the middle and is pulled up from that plate and now taken to your filtration system. When you're talking about something as dirty as fish, uh, especially heavily stocked fish, um, you want a really heavy filtration system. You can do this several different ways. You can do it by making the biological filtrations out of 55 gallon drums those work really really well you can do that but you can do it by making like a uh oh like a river system or what am i what word am i trying to say like a swamp system where you take a large trough and you fill it full of lava rocks on the bottom then smaller rocks and then sand on top and you plant a bunch of plants in there and you put your water in at one end and the clean water comes out on the other. So it's like a natural wetlands kind of environment, right? 
Uh, that works really well. A lot of people don't want to deal with uh, trying to keep their wetlands alive and growing, so they just use the 55-gallon drums. And what they what they do for those is they fill them full of um, like mesh. I've seen even people use those uh, floor buffer, like uh, what do you call those? The floor buffer pads. Oh yeah. Yeah. Get buy a bunch of the floor buffer pads because they're really cheap. Yeah. Yeah. And but the thicker ones, the ones with the the top, the open weave, like uh, ones for stripping floors in the bottom, and then put a layer of lava rock, and then put the progressively finer ones up there towards the top, so you catch all of the dry. Heavy poo at the top, uh, so it doesn't get down there and build up in the bottom. So you're kind of building your your filter in kind of reverse. Does that make sense, everybody? Yeah. That's yeah. Really good. That's really and then genius. So the hole that goes down through the middle there, I've seen people put a PVC of uh, PVC pipe, and then hook it up to a bubbler. So it's constantly pushing air through there, and that causes it to be a big, uh, like aerobic digestion chamber. Uh, it gets your nitrifying bacteria, go crazy in there, and it works really, really well. For something like a 10-foot uh, pond, you're going to need about three of those going full-time. So you just have your one, instead of taking your pool pump, uh, your pool pump is more than powerful enough to run this entire system. Just take the filter part and heat it. You don't need it. It's not going to do you any good. It's going to clog up every 15 minutes. Unless you just want to fill it full of bio orbs or lava rock, it's just going to be a mess. So you can just hook your pool pump directly up to it and uh, just have the outtake, split the outtake with PVC to one and a half inch PVC into each one of the top of each one of those uh, 55 gallon drum barrels. I just build a little uh, platform for the, all three of them to be on so they just drain back naturally into the pond. And that'll cause a little waterfall effect, which would uh, aerate the pond anyhow. Yeah, create the bubbles. Yeah. Yep. So that's going to aerate your pond anyway and keep them happy and alive. As far as feeding goes, uh, tilapia are really, really easy. One of the best ways to feed tilapia is to go and buy some duckweed. Or There are a lot of commercial strains of duckweed out there that are grow super super fast uh i've also just seen people go out to the local pond and just you know use a fishnet and pick up some duckweed from there however i worry about bringing in uh you know bacteria and viruses and molds and stuff like that from a local duck pond but they'll take their those and then what at the end of the year you know you get those kitty pools little kitty pools for super cheap they just put like you know six or eight inches of water at the bottom of each one of those kitty pools have four have two or three kitty pools out there uh throw a handful of miracle grow in each one of them maybe a tablespoon or two then throw their duckweed in the bottom uh, in there and just let it go crazy and they just harvest half of the duckweed because duckweed uh replicates itself every 24 hours the commercial strains replicate themselves like every 16 and a half hours. But what uh, what those do is it so you can harvest half of your duckweed every day and feed it directly to your tilapia without any processing or anything every single day and not ever approach it the running out of duckweed. The duckweed has a super high protein, super high lipids. It's a complete food for your fish. The only thing it's missing is a little bit of calcium, which if you supplement and you're trying to grow them really fast anyway, you're going to buy a commercial fish feed. Uh, tractor Supply 
almost everywhere carries uh, catfish, like floating catfish food of various sizes. And that is honestly, between that and your duckweed, going to be more than enough to feed your tilapia and make them super, super happy and grow fast. Anything you want to add to the tilapia? I just want fish tacos now. Yeah, no, nah, they're really easy to harvest. I don't want and I like I don't want a big old operation. Like for us personally, I don't want a big old operation. Yeah, you know, for, she says. That, I really and, don't. And you know, it's gonna it's gonna happen. It's gonna because happen because of you. Yeah. <laughs> no. I only go one speed. That's America. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I don't want like, this big old fish operation, but I do want fish tacos, and I do want to have like a variety of proteins and and meats for my family. You know, I don't want to just have like you got one. a big old family is gonna want food too <laughs> i'm gonna tell them you said that they got a bunch of people in your family i do have a bunch of people i have a huge family um so yeah so i mean fish tacos that's that's been a staple in my family you know it's very nice during the summer and some watermelon and stuff so i look forward to that yeah you got a bunch of people in your family it's not like we're gonna ever 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 have a problem getting rid of food right we just go hey guys y'all want something and they just flock on over so let's talk about processing it so we okay that's the not fun part yeah uh that's a lot of work you better you're gonna get by the time you're done well you're gonna be real good at filleting fish um yeah, so let's uh, just uh, sit down, crack open a case of beer, and get after it type thing. Um, I like to put them. I like to put the fillets in um, uh, one of the, those vacuum seal bags. Mm-hmm. I like to put a couple of them in each bag, and then uh, just vacuum seal them. We we kind of get a. You get them. You wash them. Yeah, you get you you take your fish out, you conk them on the head, stab them, whatever you want to do, uh, the Ikajima type way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> however you want to murder your your livestock's up to you. <laughs> but uh, you take them out, you you process your fish. Yeah, yeah. You can the, the easiest way is going to be just to uh, uh, fillet them without gutting every one of them or anything. It's just fillet them. Uh, and then move your, then you'll take your fillets. What we like to do is have like a cooler full of uh, salty ice water. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the fillet is done, it gets chucked into the cooler full of salty, salty ice water. And the reason that we use salty ice water is even instead of just having a big thing of fresh water, is that the, uh, the, what do you call it? The osmolarity of the salty os- ice water keeps the fish from absorbing a bunch of water and becoming mushy. Mm-hmm. Right? It keeps it nice and firm. Now, you're not trying to go, like, super salty. You're going for, like, uh, the ocean like saltiness, right? Or slightly under. I have never actually measured it. I just throw in a couple of cups of salt into a cooler and toss a bunch of ice and then fill the rest of it up with water. And then mix it around until it's all done. It becomes super cold, too. Uh, and then the, per- the person who is then going to take those fish, those fillets out. So if you're fast at filleting, I'm not the fastest. I, I, I'm... Uh, Passable, <laughs> but not the fastest in the entire world. So they usually uh, can keep up with me pretty well. So the person who's doing the packaging is going to be at the table on the other side of that, uh, that that or just we do it in like a big long conga line. So they'll be just past the the cooler, so they can reach over with their right hand, grab their fish fillets, throw them up there, kind of let them dry for a second, and then put them into their. Uh, perspective bags and then pass them down the line to the vacuum seal people 
And it works out really well. At that point, this is the point where you would want to add, if you wanted to add seasonings, if you want to do anything special with them, if you wanted to add some marinade or something, the package person would be the would be the, the stop to do that. They take it out, they throw in a handful or a scoop full of the seasoning, pass it down the line, and just it, it would just get mixed in as it goes. Uh, and that's that's about it, man. I mean, it's really, really easy. And then you want to get them frozen as soon as possible after that. Now you have a whole bunch of uh, fish that are great for the garden. Don't throw them away. Don't compost them. Just bury them in the garden. Dig a trench. Throw in your fish. Plant your tomatoes over the top of them. Uh, like anything that's a heavy feeder. Uh, the Native Americans have been doing it forever. It works super, super well. There's it, it, you, nothing to worry about that way. Then you can just drain your pond and, uh, you know, drain it. Use it to water your grass. Uh, any excess effluent water of any type. If you're going to rinse out your, your cleaner filters, rinse out anything, that's good. That's highly that's liquid gold i mean it's 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 highly nutritious nutrient dense water for plants uh don't drink it don't drink your poo water but uh you definitely want to put it on your plants your roses your grass your corn your your garden there's nothing that the tilapia have that it's going to translate into a disease that you can get right um, and as far as breeding tilapia, don't worry, don't do it. Uh, there's a bunch of people that do, there's a whole bunch of, like you could, but you're going to have to bring them inside into an aquarium. They're mouth brooders. Uh, so it's just a big pain in the butt. It's not worth it when they're so incredibly cheap online. Uh, heck, even Amazon, you can buy, uh, tilapia on that live tilapia fingerlings on Amazon. Everybody's got live tilapia fingerlings. They're so cheap. If you wanted to get a the thousand of them, is gonna set you back just like a hundred bucks. So uh, it, they're super super cheap everywhere. Uh, tilapia are not one of the things I would suggest that you attempt to breed. They're and none of these fish really are something. Uh, none of the things we're talking about today are anything I would attempt to breed except for crawfish because they'll breed through absolute pure and total neglect. Just leave them alone and you'll make more crawfish. I'm not a fan of crawfish, so I tried it for the first time. It was okay. Just nothing what I expected, honestly. <laughs> well, there's not a, a lot. A lot of people love it. Yeah, so. there's not a lot, a lot of meat on them. Yeah, so. there really isn't. So it's like a lot of work for not a lot of meat. And, you know, yeah, it was savory, yeah. it was good, but just something that I wouldn't, you know, put on my menu very often. So we, I think we've pretty much covered... I've covered tilapia pretty good. Yeah. You can't really mess up tilapia, guys. They're really, really hard. As long as it's warm, tilapia are fine. They're happiness and sunshine. Up north where it's not, uh, you know, you're not getting 115 degrees every day, you can grow them just right out in the sun. Um, except for your reds or your albino tilapia. You don't want to put those guys in the sun. They get sun, sun scald. All the rest of them, you can just grow them out there. Tilapia are not one of the fish you're going to worry about jumping out of your uh, of your water or your container a lot. So you don't have to really worry about having a top cover. Uh, I would put a, like, uh, just a like some bird netting or chicken wire over the top to keep out your critters like uh you know if you have a 
raccoon issue or if you have if you're along a bird of prey migration area it would really it would really suck to sit there drinking your morning coffee look out there over your tilapia farm and and just watch hawk after hawk swoop down and fly away with your your hard raised fish is that a thing that's a thing but i have to i can't fight off hawks no what did you do you're gonna put just put some chicken wire okay yeah seriously there's still predators for like Fish? Yeah, everything well, eats fish. Too, right? Yeah, raccoons are terrible. Uh, I wouldn't worry about like mosquitoes or anything in there. That's just extra food. The fish are going to eat them. Don't worry mosquitoes. about mosquitoes. Yeah, you're not going to have anything in there. Uh, they're they're going to eat them. Not a big deal. So there's your tilapia. Uh, let's talk about catfish. Like catfish. Everybody has catfish, right? The there's a bunch of different types of catfish. There's only one that really does well in aquaponics. Those are going to be channel catfish. Uh, channel catfish do pretty well. Uh, in the wild, it takes them about a year to reach a pound, uh, which is not the bestest in the entire world. However, in aquaponics, if you're feeding them, they'll go from little bitty guys, which you can buy they're cheap, very, very cheap, to uh, one-pound cats in about six months. If you want to let them go for, you know, a uh, uh, 18 months or so, or even a whole, if you let them go for an entire year, uh, they don't do well in the cold. I mean, they live, but they're, 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 uh, like metabolism shuts down to the point where they're not growing anymore, and it's just really not worth it. Right. Like they don't do anything. And you're just you're at that point, you're just paying for power to start to circulate water. So as soon as it gets cold, as soon as it gets starts getting warm, throw your, your catfish in there. And then in the fall, when it starts getting cool, harvest your catfish. If it's over six months, 180 days, they're going to be a pound, anything over anything longer. And they're going to they're going to keep growing. So uh, six months for catfish, if you have a six month warm period. Um you could do catfish. Catfish are super easy. The one caveat I would say is that catfish have spines. And because of those spines, they can puncture if you if you get them super excited, the sides of your above ground pool. So catfish might be something you want to do in a stock tank, mm -hmm. or you might want to do it in a pool if you put down a separate liner in the pool first. Like uh, those, I, I've seen them for sale, those billboard, those big rubber billboard um, signs, the nylon cover, or not, or not nylon, but uh, they're the, they use them for tarps, the billboard signs, when they take them down, they give you those big old, you can buy the big old tarps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are waterproof and everything. They work good for a liner in the pond, but you're probably just going to be better using them in a stock tank. Um, yeah, or you can uh, capture them all and use uh, some wire cutters and cut off the spines. It's not going to kill the fish, won't hurt the fish. They'll be perfectly fine. You just nib the ends of each of the spines so they're not pokey anymore, which will make processing a heck of a lot easier because you're not going to get stabbed with catfish all the time. Uh, won't kill the catfish, won't really hurt them. Uh, and it'll keep them from poking holes in each other and in the sides of your pond. I've always stayed away from catfish because one, yes, they poke. And two, like I've just never, it, it always had like a fishy taste to it. Well, so. that's because you're, you're eating them grown in a pond. Yeah. So you want, maybe that's why, but yeah. 
Yeah, maybe it'll be a different experience if we ever have any, but... Oh, we'll do them just to say we did them. Of yeah. course. That's your mantra. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I've had friends do them. Um, but, yeah, you, you, you will do them just, 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 well, because we can. Yeah. All right, somebody will eat them. Right. Figure <laughs> it out. Yeah. So, uh, catfish, they're pretty indestructible, guys. A couple of cold nights not going to hurt them. A couple of warm days is not going to hurt them. Ooh, we could do a fish fry. Yeah, you could do a fish fry. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. Um, it's on. Fine. They're pretty easy to process. I've seen a lot of people do them. Uh, just chop the heads off, uh, grab the skin with pliers, pull all the skin, and then gut them and then do them whole like that. Um, and that's uh, that's a really easy way to process them. Uh, also, filleting them works really, really well. Then you can also plant them, you know, once again, underneath any sort of tree underneath you know plant them in the ground underneath your tree post hole dig or use your tractor or use uh, your children to dig holes and put them under there so it works out really well uh yeah there's never any sort of waste on the farm never any sort of waste and catfish they're cheap um they're not as cheap as tilapia it depends on where you're at if you're back uh back east where there's a lot of catfish farms, uh, they're really, really, really cheap. They don't ship them as often in the mail because they're pokey. You know, you're going to pay a little bit more for shipping because they're going to have to put them in a special type of bagging um, to keep them from popping it and ending up as all little dried uh, raisins by the time I get there. But baby catfish are adorable. Like, they're tiny little guys. They look like just like full-size catfish, except that they're, you know, itty-bitty, like less than an inch long. But, uh, yeah, they're super easy. You can, if you're cheap, uh, like me, instead of buying special baby catfish food, I just get the regular size catfish food and grind it up through the coffee grinder. I have a dedicated coffee grinder. Because coffee grinder. He has his own special coffee grinder, guys, because yeah. I cannot trust this man with <laughs> a coffee grinder. So it's not happening. Weird things go through the coffee yeah, no, grinder. No, not, not in mine. Yeah. I like the little uh, KitchenAid one that you push on the top and it goes because it's got a beast of a motor and it. it'll grind anything. Practically rocks. So I like that one. So you just grind it up. Uh, you're going to feed a catfish at least when they're babies at least four to five times a day. Um, as they get older, you can go back down to two times a day. Uh, it's hard to supplement their feed. So unlike tilapia, which you can feed for practically free, catfish, you're going to have to buy food for them. I've seen people try to feed them cheap dog food. Uh, that just seems to make the water a mess and give it like an oily film. Uh, cheap cat food. Come on, guys. Really? It's more expensive than the cheap catfish food to begin with. You buy the 40, 50 pound bags of catfish food for cheap. Why would you buy the cheap cat food if it's more expensive? Uh, with As with any fish, if you put a light over the pond at night, all the bugs are going to hit it and fall into the pond. That's free food for your fish. Catfish are not jumpers, so you don't have to worry about them trying to jump their way out. Uh, you don't, you know, you're still going to have to put some netting over there to keep unwanted critters out or all your fish from flying off with, with hawks and eagles and things. Uh, but 
a cheap bug zapper put over the top of your pond, like on a little tripod hanging off over the top, or anywhere over your pond is going to do wonders for increasing the protein that your, your fish get. And that works for any of the fish, except I don't think it would do well for like crawdads. Um, but I do well for the shrimp. The shrimp will eat the little crap out of them. Yeah, they'll eat anything. They'll eat anybody, anything. So uh, that's about it for catfish. I can't really think of anything else to add. Catfish are just easy. If you build on what we talked about with tilapia, and the build and, and everything, everything applies to to the the catfish. The catfish They're just up. spiky. So we talked catfish. Let's talk about somebody that's in a colder region, what you can do. Trout. And I envy you for that. I would love to do trout here, except when the water gets above 60 degrees, all the trout die. Um, they start getting really, really stressed about 60 degrees, 65 degrees, and they all die. So uh, here I would be limited to doing trout for... And what's wrong with that? For We would do a couple of cycles of it. No, I would be... I'd only have like maybe two months... Where really? I could, yeah, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't, in that two months, they wouldn't make it to their, to their full size. Okay. Trout, you need like, yeah, you need like six months for trout. Uh, they're kind of a slower growing guy, but once they do kind of pick up speed and start putting on weight, they put on a lot of weight. So rainbow trout are really, really cheap. The hybrid trout are really, really cheap. You can find most of them online. They ship super easy. They do really, really well in aquaculture. They do require very clean water. Uh, they do like it going in a spiral because they like to be active swimmers. Other than that, the trout food is cheap. Uh, they There's always a market for them, which means that you're... Uh, you might have to sell uh, two different tiers of membership. You might have an individual and family membership tier uh, to your fancy backyard fish farm. And then like a corporate tier where the uh, owner of the restaurant could uh, come and receive their benefits at your farm. Ha ha. Ha ha. America. Always a way around everything. So, um, yeah, uh, trout, you're never going to have a problem with getting rid of them. Uh, I would try to shoot for raising those guys for at least five months. And I would shoot for getting the largest fingerlings you can afford. Fingerlings, they, they tend to go from really, really cheap to progressively expensive up to like two or three bucks a piece for pretty decent sized ones. I wouldn't try to spend the two or three dollar a piece ones. I'd shoot for the under two dollar guys. And I would probably buy at least a hundred at a time. Uh, 200 bucks sounds like a pretty big investment for some people it is however you're going to turn those 200 worth of uh, fish in six months into you know five or six or eight hundred dollars worth of fish uh now trout are jumpers uh trout are moderately uh, of the three fish trout are the dumbest uh as far as trout are kind of like turkeys you know turkeys spend the vast majority of their youth trying to find creative ways to kill themselves yeah trout are kind of like that Trout, if a, if a light bulb is close enough, trout will jump at it until they break it. Uh, I've seen people lose their trout because they jumped at a light bulb, they broke they the light bulb, the, the light bulb fell in the water and electrocutes all the fish. Yeah. So I've seen them do that. Uh, just having a, uh, just 
chicken wire over the top of the cage keeps it fine. Uh, trout are super active feeders in the evenings and at night. So uh, they're going to like having your bug zappers, like two or three bug zappers or a bug zapper and a couple light bulbs over the top of their cage. And now we're not talking about super bright light bulbs. You don't want it to be daylight out there, but just a couple of like regular broad spectrum standard incandescent light bulbs uh, out there so that they attract a bunch of bugs is going to help a lot. Uh, that'll help with your feed costs a lot, and, and and you'll see the growth rate of your fish be significantly lar larger. Uh, trout are pretty sensitive to their water parameters, so you're gonna need to check your water pretty often. Uh, you want to keep it, um, you know, pretty neutral pH wise. Keep your ammonia down, so definitely make sure that you have a uh, very good biologically active filtration system. Do water changes if anything gets a little out of whack, but make sure to use that water to water your gardens and stuff. It's got a lot of good nitrogen in it and phosphorus and potassium and everything else. It's great for you. Uh, trout are pretty easy, guys. Like, pretty, pretty easy. Um, yeah, most of the stuff about it, it doesn't really talk about backyard growing trout. There's a, it was a thing where I grew up in 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 southeastern idaho that was a thing like people would grow like but we were not very far from a major fish hatchery where you could buy the fish for like in a cooler like show up and you know pay 40 bucks and get an entire cooler full of baby fingerlings and take them home and throw them in your backyard pond and uh, grow your you know, your trout for the year so that was a pretty easy thing um yeah i mean what else you got to say about trout or you like trout? Trout are delicious. Yeah, trout's delicious, and it pairs well with out. it pairs well with lemon orzo. So I like that, and I like it with um, asparagus. So really good stuff. Yeah. So uh, yeah, trout are great. Trout are fun. Trout are easy. Let's see. Uh, I think that about covers it for most of the fish. Now, there, there's a bunch of different stuff out there. There's a bunch of people like, oh, why aren't you going to grow, um, you know, uh, what do you call those guys? Mackerels. <laughs> I don't think you, those are saltwater fish. Not bad. No, the. Uh, this is how little I know about fish farming, honestly. It's not uh, like my top contender. Yeah, bluegills and stuff like that. I don't like, to, or a bass, for example. I don't like to grow stuff that's like. That, that's a game fish that's native to my area because you run into a, a kind of a sketchy area there where uh, the fish and game guys can argue, hey, did you buy those? Did you catch those and put them in your system? Like, what are you doing here? And then they argue that, hey, if they release, they could cause a bunch of problems, even though your fish farm's in the middle of a field and they were in quite a choir, something on the level of a biblical flood in order to... Uh, release your fish they'll still they can still they, you might need a special permit for anything native so i try to stay away from native stuff native game fishes um if you wanted to get into kind of like a bonus backside if you wanted to get into aquaculture for doing nothing but raising bait to, for like bait fish and stuff like that to to sell to a bait fish company uh that'd be a way to do it uh, and there's a bunch of people who raise koi in their backyard and sell koi so there's a whole bunch of things you can do with it besides just uh you know making fish to eat 
But uh, that's pretty much what we're going to talk talk about as far as fish wise. I can't really think of anything else I want to add as far as the fish before we get to crustaceans. Can you? You got any no, more fish stuff? I got nothing. All right. So uh, let's take. Yeah, what do you got for news of the day though? Ooh, you got news. Yes. So yeah, I got. So let's take news. a half of a half a second break before getting the crustaceans and talk about yeah. some news. So this news falls in line to what we discussed last week and your concerns with Kansas and their wheat problems with the droughts. Um, you actually have uh, China, who's experienced the op- who's experiencing the opposite of that. They're experiencing a lot of rain. So the most rain that they've seen in ten years, and so all the wheat is wet. There's a lot of blight um, in the wheat. There is wheat that is sprouting, and when there's blight, obviously, and then when when it's sprouting, it's non-consumable um, by humans. So you can't eat it anymore. So they've pivoted quickly into animal feed. Um, however, you know you still run the risk of feed- Eating your animals mold and giving them aspergillus and so it's just a really um you know just a really crazy things that are going on with the whole wheat issue um so we're getting hit on both ends right you know kansas with the majority of what they grow here in the u.s and then you know you got china uh so china's quickly buying wheat from australia and it's just it's created a lot of havoc um so just keep an eye on that and again you know as eric mentioned last week it would behoove you to purchase some, you know, uh, flour and just, you know, have some flour sort of way. I'm not saying go and hoard and go in and do all that fear mongering and all that. You know, hoarding. Yeah, that's crazy. Don't be crazy. <laughs> um, but, you know, just store some, you know, if, like Eric mentioned, you know, if you want uh, bread rolls for your Thanksgiving dinner, you know, it, it'd be nice to have that option. So I mean, the, the wheat might be there and the flour might be there, but it might be the cheapest you're going to see wheat or flour for the next two years might be now. Yeah, and they're you know? expecting like a loss of 30 million tons. Yeah. Tons. I mean, that blows my mind. And they're trying to do everything in their power to like, so apparently like um, Chinese farmers are well uh, versed when it comes to floods and raining. Um, however, again, they haven't seen this type of rain in over 10 years. Um, so they're freaking out. So they're doing everything in their power to dry all the wheat, uh, bringing in fans, you know, trying to dry it as quickly as possible, moving as quickly as possible, harvesting it as quickly as possible. But then again, it's not fully matured, you know, it's sprouting and it's, you know, some of it's diseased and contaminated. So, you know, not consumable for humans. And that's a big blow that, that China is experiencing at the moment. So hopefully they can, you know, purchase enough, you know, wheat from Australia to to kind of offset that, offset that. But even so, I think what I read, it was like they had just purchased 6 million tons of wheat. And I mean, to their 30 million that they're expecting to lose, you know, so wow. not really offsetting it too much. And then you had uh, all those floods in uh, India, Pakistan, but it took out all the rice. Yeah. So we're just kind of getting, getting every all sides as yeah. far as grain goes this year. It's not the best year for grain. No, it's not. But, uh, Sweet. Is that all you got for news? That's all I got for news. Sweet. Well, uh, let's talk about two. Well, we can do we can do tree of the day. We usually do it at the end of the end of the thing, but let's do tree of the day because this is a fun tree. So uh, the tree of the day is going to be the galaxy peach. It's also called the flat peach, the donut peach, bagel peach, UFO peach. Uh, it's got a whole bunch of different names, but particularly the galaxy peach because it's the largest of the UFO type peaches. Um, 
So they're the flat ones that are kind of big circles. These are, this is a vigorous tree. It bears unique looking fruit that decorates its branches. The fruit's soft, blush red skin surrounds a smooth, firm white flesh. So it's one of the white fleshed uh, peaches. This particular one melts in your mouth. It's real soft. Uh, so it's not gonna be a good shipper, but it'll do great at the farmer's market or for fresh eating. Uh, this one originates from Pallier, uh, California. It was introduced to the market in 2003. It's a heat-tolerant, uh, semi-free stone. Uh, ripens in late July. It's self-pollinating. The fruit averaged six ounces. Um, it says it's uh, with the characteristically sweet flavor profile, Galaxy has light cream skin accented with an attractive red blush and features an additional delicate aroma of white flesh peaches inside the flesh is a sweet taste uh the pleasantly firm texture that growers describe as uh melting uh this makes a uh great juicing peach it makes a great uh canning peach uh, it makes uh really good um jams and jellies uh and it's it's great for fresh eating as well uh you take one of these one of these peaches and uh, you just gently drop it in some boiling water and just just for a few seconds, uh, just enough to loosen the skin. And then you peel the skin off with the back of a spoon or your fingers. And you put that down and you put a scoop of uh, ice cream over the top of it. And, and uh, that's a heck of a treat uh, on a warm summer day. So it's, it's a really good, really good fun peach to have. Uh, we'll talk about the plant of the day a little bit later. We're going to talk about crustaceans next. Yay! Yay! What was that crustacean off a of Little Mermaid? Oh, Sebastian? Sebastian's. We're going to talk about Sebastian. Sebastian's. Sebastian's. All right. So, Sebastian's or crawfish farming. So, there's a couple ways to do this. Uh, my favorite way is cheating. <laughs> my favorite way to cheat with this is I like to buy um, some adult crawfish. <sighs> Child. So I buy adult crawfish when HEB has them on sale. So they have the they sell the live Louisiana crawfish, and you buy a couple of pounds of those guys, throw them in your tank, and uh, let them breed. They are super super good at that, and as long as you feed them well, they will hatch out and uh, raise a whole bunch of babies, really pretty quickly. And if you're if you're geared towards making a sustainable type uh, crawfish farm, that's a good way to do it. If you just go out there and harvest uh, 20 or 30 pounds of crawfish from your big 10 foot, 12 foot pool uh, every um, few months, then you're never gonna run out of crawfish. The biggest thing with those guys is uh, to make sure to feed them adequately. And occasionally a good treat for those might be one of your, uh, you know, filleted tilapia or filleted catfish because they will eat it all completely. Catfish, you know, crawfish will eat everything organic. Uh, here in, in, in Texas and Louisiana, they, they raise them in rice fields. Uh, and that's so after they've harvested the rice, a certain percentage of the rice falls down into the water and the crawfish eat it why it's still flooded. It's pretty neat. Uh, as far as you go with your backyard endeavor, 
is it would probably be pretty darn neat to be able to have your crawfish and uh, feed them some scraps. I wouldn't go and feed them like, you know, yesterday's meatloaf uh, just because it's going to make a mess in the water. And, you know, but as far as, uh, you know, some vegetable scraps occasionally would not hurt them at all. Some parboiled carrots, uh, you know, an apple occasionally, but you, but apples float, so you might have to squish it a bunch to get it to get it to you know <laughs> to sink in there. Um, but any sort of vegetable stuff like that, it's not going to hurt them. They'll eat it, but chop it up so they don't all fight over one big piece, like fight over one carrot. You'll end up with a whole bunch of missing claws and legs that way. Uh, the biggest thing about crawdads is that they are very territorial and they need to have their little space. Their little, their own little space can be as small as just like a PVC pipe that you put in there. Um, so having a cutting off a whole bunch of PVC uh, pieces that are you know, or pipe pieces that are that are like eight inches to a foot long and having them bundled and bundling them up with some rope and throwing them in there as kind of like uh, crawfish condominiums uh, it would, will go a long ways to, as far as peacefulness goes with your crawdads. Having some vegetation in there wouldn't hurt at all. Uh, some sticks, uh... You know, just, just get a little crazy. Just think about making your own little pond in there. Planting some plants wouldn't hurt. Do some water lilies just for fun. So you get something to look at because unlike the fish, the crawdads aren't going to be swimming through the water. So it's just going to look like you have this big placid pond out there. You can put in, uh, you know, throw in some minnows and stuff in there. Uh, the crawfish might eat them. Uh, but, oh well, uh, but they'll keep your, your mosquitoes and stuff down. Uh, so that will work out really well. Uh, crawfish breed pretty quickly and they grow pretty quickly if they have a lot of food. Uh, I would probably for year one, I would, wouldn't harvest anything. If I was going to go and I was going to do a 10 foot pool, I'd buy 15 pounds of live crawfish. I'd throw them in there and they're all like made my little ecosystem throw them in there um and then i wouldn't harvest anything year one year two i'd check and uh by year two you should have a bunch of babies that are all you know multi that are all pretty good size uh and then i could i would start harvesting there in about summer every year two um and then you should be able to harvest every every two or three months without with small amounts, you know, up to 20 pounds every two or three months without having a big negative effect on your on your crawfish if you want to keep it self-sustaining. If you just want to go out there and get, you know, four or five pounds for you and your family, like you know, once a week, then you're probably not going to make a big significant difference. Uh, did. And if you just wanted to shut the whole thing down and pull out three or 400 pounds of crawfish, you know, at the end of that uh, year, then that wouldn't hurt you either. So crawfish is, is more of a long-term endeavor than anything else. Uh, so that would be the, that'd be way number one that I would grow crawfish. And that would be the cheapest way to get started is just to buy your live crawfish already full grown, call those your breeders and throw them in there and leave them alone and let them make babies. Uh, 
you're going to use a sinking pellet type food for them. So um, your floating catfish food that we've talked about using for pretty much everybody else is not going to work for these guys. These guys are going to want a sinking type pellet. Uh, you can buy sinking fish food for them. There are specialty blends, which I'm not a huge fan of because if it only does one thing, it might do that one thing really, really well, but it's usually more expensive than a generic type. Uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, diets online that you can look up to feed your crawfish. Um, none of those I have currently writ written down. I do know that most of them have a lot of vegetable waste in them. This crawfish will eat anything, including each other, if they don't get enough protein. So make sure that whatever you're feeding them. Well. them yeah, yeah. Make sure you feed them very well. So I was just looking at this. So I was thinking, you know, what are the loopholes, right? Like to, you know, crawfish boils are huge in Texas. So like, do you have to, can you sell like the crawfish for crawfish boils? So that, that prompted me to do a little research. So apparently you can do a crawfish boil and sell like the crawfish plates um, or bags or whatever um, for, you know, all you have to do is get your temporary food permit. You know, of course you don't want to make it like a permanent situation unless you do. That's, that'd probably be a horse of a different color, but or crawfish of a different color. Booch. <laughs> um, but um, you can get by with getting a, a temporary food permit and sell crawfish bag, boil bags or whatever. That'd be like, a really good thing to do in yeah, the fall. Yeah, kind of cool. Huh. Actually, people it... love crawfish here. Crawfish and beer and see a bunch of dudes like huddle around the crawfish. They're all so proud of their crawfish. I didn't see the big deal about it, but I mean, I enjoyed the camaraderie and, and breaking bread with people and we just had a good time, you know, and anything for a good time. So um, I think we should do a crawfish boil now. Yeah. I changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I like the idea of selling that bag thing because you can, you can incorporate a lot of the other produce from your farm into that. You know, your corn, mm -hmm. your, your onions, I mean, uh, your peppers, everything else. You could sell it as a kit. You yeah. Know, they take it home and, and throw it all together and, and you, you that'd be uh, value added to just to all of your stuff because the individual stuff might be a heck of a lot cheaper than buying it all as a kit which you'll be able to add money to it because it's a kit now and not only that but you're also like reassuring people like hey these are the seasonings that go with crawfish right a lot of times people are they've never done it before and so they don't know exactly what pairs well what's what's the best seasoning out there for crawfish and, and just leave that to an expert that has a nice package put together for you that you can purchase you know what do you need, kiddo? Do you need to go potty? No, she wants the umbrella. You don't need it. She wants the umbrella to go. Going is, <laughs> you're going to go check on the chickens. It's dark already, sweetie. Not today. Not right now. I've seen this movie. You're going to get wet and covered in mosquitoes. So, uh... Yeah, so crawfish are really easy. There's so that's way number one uh, is to just get your breeders, set up your breeding pond, and let it rock and roll. Way number two is to buy your baby crawfish and raise them up, and that's going to be a lot faster. That's going to be four or five months turnaround time, and you but they're all going to be ready at once. You can leave some behind to be breeders to make yourself sustaining crawfish pond, but uh, if I was going to buy. If I was going to spend the money and buy a whole mess of little baby fingerling crawfish, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to plan a farm activity where we're going to have the farm crawfish boil. Mm -hmm. 
I'm going to charge uh, quite a bit for per plate and get my little temporary food permit, which is probably like 200 bucks or something like that. How much is it locally? Yeah, I don't know how much Doesn't it is locally. Say. No, I think it's even cheaper than $200. I really don't think it's that expensive. License in, well, that's Texas. There we go. It's probably the Texas license. Get the temporary, search for that uh, temporary food yeah, permit, Texas. Second. There we go. Texas. Sound effects. Yeah, yeah, sound effects. This is trying to get you to apply for something yeah. else. No, just cost. Just give me the price. It's got to be so complicated. Just tell me. Yeah. Um, Add the word cost. Yeah, that's giving me the whole license information. This price. Oops. There you go. That's about, yeah, like 52 to $200. Single event permits are $52 and multiple event permits are 200 bucks. So 52 bucks, guys. That's like two people coming over to coming over to eat. So you're gonna you're gonna make that back in a heartbeat. Oh, in a heartbeat. Yeah, so cool. yeah, have your little like that's totally where that's totally what we're gonna do. Let's do that. Like I mean, let's. I would just buy a whole bunch of little fingerling guys, raise them, raise the crap out of them, sell huge plates like just pile high with them with all of your produce uh, in, in, in corporate into a farm tour at the end of the farm tour and the end of the talk and everything and um, the educational side is when you open up your gift shop and uh, start serving your crawfish at the same time have yourself a little like uh, and at the end of it all you know, play yourself some music, hire yourself a little couple of some local little band to come out and, and play and set up your little farmer's market there where everybody can buy all your produce they can take home boiling bags uh so they, if they wanted to do the crawfish again at their house they could uh if they wanted to buy some of that sweet corn they want to buy everything else you, you buy your jams jellies everything i mean just really market the living crap out of yourself while you're doing this event i think it'll go really well yeah that'd be kind of cool so, okay. I like it. I like the idea. I, I, I've had a change of heart on the show. There yeah. We now she's do, a crawfish fan. Yeah, we might do a crawfish boil. So, just so, out there. Other than crawfish, let's talk about uh, freshwater prawns. So, these are a little bit different than your regular shrimp you're going to get. Uh, they're called Macropedia. They have the really long, crazy blue um, claws. Uh they're awesome. Uh, they originated, I believe, in Thailand. Like you fed me prawns. No, you're looking. You just hit the word prawn, honey, instead of freshwater prawn. Oh. You have to put fresh water in there. I knew that. Yeah, because prawn is, has a bunch of different words to it. So those guys, oh, see yeah, the giant little, yeah. So they're a freshwater um, shrimp. Yeah, basically freshwater shrimp. Now you're not going to be able to breed these guys. Uh, they have to spawn in salt water, and then the babies uh, eventually swim upstream into streams, where they um, are then work their way into little lakes and ponds, uh, where they grow to be adults, and then the adults uh, migrate back to the ocean to shake off their babies, and the babies float out in the ocean for a little while and come back. 
So there's dedicated breeders out there who have saltwater aquarium tanks or like saltwater above ground pools, basically, that they breed them in. And then you buy basically the fry. And you're buying these little guys are about the same size as your thumbnail. They're quite cheap. Uh, they have, on average, an 80% survival rate. All right? So if you buy 1,000 of them, you're going to harvest 800 of them. The, the, they like to have space because they are highly predatory. All right? And they're quite aggressive. So they're going to talk, when you start looking into freshwater prawns, they're going to talk about something called substrate. When they're talking about substrate, everybody, people who've had aquariums and stuff, you guys think, oh, the stuff that goes on the ground. They're not talking about that. They're talking about like screens that are held vertically or horizontally in PVC frames. So uh, they do that so that uh, they have multiple layers to do. So I've seen a lot of people build like a two foot by two foot cube, right, out of PVC. And inside that zip tie, just regular window screen uh, in four layers. So there's about, you know, what, six inches between each layer? So uh, on the, uh, and then throw the cubes in their ponds and then just do that until the whole bottom of the pond is covered in cubes. Uh, and what that does is it gives a bunch of different layers for those little, those little uh, shrimpies guys to, to find their happy, happy spot at. Now, when they when they molt, they like to molt inside of cover. So what they'll do is they'll take window screen, roll it into tubes, and then cut it to about eight inches. Zip tie one end, just one zip tie on one end to kind of make it to, to close it all the way down. So it's open on one side. They're just chucking those into the pond. So the little the little shrimp can crawl inside there, face the, the entrance, feel secure, and molt. And what the other shrimp does is that the other guys will go over there, they'll eat that uh, the shell of the one that molted to regain the calcium and the minerals from it. And so it's self-emptying. And the next one goes in there and uses a little hotel and molts, and then they just do that over and over. This also makes it super easy to clean, guys, because it's just screen. When you pull it out, I mean, you're not going to – when you pull out these PVC cubes, you're just going to put them out in the grass, right, and let them dry. Uh, they won't be covered in algae because the little guys are going to be eating the algae and everything off of them. Uh, and if you have any detritus or anything on them, you can just spray it with some water, uh, let it go out into your grass. Let this stuff dry until you're ready to go again. The cycle on these guys is, let's see, I wrote it down. I actually took notes. Do, 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 and I lost it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the return is uh, about six months, all right? So uh, you you need at least 100 days. So in 100 days, the little bitty fry are going to turn into about, what the, if you're going to like call them shrimp size, they're going to be 14 to 16, right? So 14 to 16 of those guys per pound in, in 100 days. You really want to harvest them in six months, and then those guys are in the, you know, like three ounce, four ounce uh, area there. Um, so if you put, you know, those are big prawns at that point. 
there you're looking those are the like five to six or maybe size eight to a pound um you know six to eight to a pound those are those are big big called they'll be called the colossal shrimp but i guess you would buy like heb or something like that the real real big guys so that's great uh you're gonna process them exactly like you would any other shrimp uh the one caveat is that their big giant blue arms actually have meat in them like uh like Crab legs. Interesting. Yeah, so you can yank the little arms off and serve those with your with your people. So I see like the most popular. I've never cooked uh, prawn before, so like the most popular dishes are like a stir fry or like cooked and baked in rice. You know. Yeah, well, you're gonna cook them like any other shrimp. Um, the all the one thing is that they're slightly more firm meat than any other type so of a shrimp. Tougher. No, it's just firmer. It's uh, it's it's more like closer to like uh, um, like a. Uh, scallop or something like a oh, little, little bit farmer meat okay. so it, it's not a big deal it's uh it works out really really well a lot of people just roll them on the barbecue exactly as they are head and everything because there is quite a bit of meat inside the head of these freshwater prawns plus they have like people like to suck the head which is weird to me i don't that's weird yeah yeah uh, no. it's weird to me but i guess there's head butter in there whatever Ew. uh yeah it's brains it's oh brains. okay no. yeah not happening. Okay. I'm Moving on. Yeah. Uh, I would just process them like I would any other shrimp. I'd, you know, pop little heads off uh, and then, um, you know, Devane and and, and you know, everybody's processed shrimp or bought shrimp at yeah. the store. So it's not a big deal. We don't have to get too deep into that. Pretty cool. They work super, super well. They are fast. They're easy. They're bulletproof uh as long as you keep the water moving and you can keep predators away from them they'll eat any sort of sinking fish food pellet uh they'll also enjoy occasional vegetables uh like uh i've seen people get very successful with carrots beets potatoes that are cooked like whole potatoes thrown in there um a little bit of everything man they'll really eat a little bit of everything uh Fish meal, um, just about anything, man. They're really, really pretty darn easy to take care of uh, and pretty easy to cycle through. And who doesn't want, like, you know, you know, three or 400 pounds of shrimp at the end of the six-month cycle? Yeah. You're going to end up, save those heads, put them in your garden, save any of the waste, any of the shells, put those in your garden. They're going to be super good for everything. I don't compost things like that because I don't want to lose the nutrition to the atmosphere. When your compost pile is getting smaller, that is not that it's being digested and concentrated. That's all that carbon and nitrogen turning into atmospheric carbon and atmospheric nitrogen. It's literally just evaporating and going away. When I do stuff, I want all of that nutrition. Uh, I raise those shrimp. I want the return of investment. I want them underneath my plants, <laughs> get, making my plants happier. Yeah. So you're going to harvest them just like any other shrimp. You're just going to lower the water level and then scoop them out with a net and then dump them right in ice water. And that'll cool them off quite a bit. And then uh, that'll kill them. And then you can just flash freeze them from there. Uh, put you know, a couple of pounds per bag and uh, let your card carrying shrimp enthusiasts come in uh, with your the membership card. <laughs> come and pick up their uh, couple pounds of shrimp. Uh, they're in high demand. And as time goes on, they're finding that it's way more sustainable to grow these freshwater prawns 
than it is to even harvest any other type of shrimp from the wild or to do the uh, farm-raised saltwater shrimp because the waste is just a little bit of effluent water that they can use to grow vegetables and plants. Mm -hmm. And that's going to kind of lead us into what we're going to talk about next week. And next week, we're going to talk about uh, aquaponics. But before we get into that, I wanted to share a recipe. And if you're listening, you get to, you know, this is your your golden ticket right here. So uh, one thing, uh, we're big fans of like shrimp tacos, fish tacos, uh, fish fries, you know, things like that. And this... uh, um, this whole episode just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my cabbage. Like every time we make a fish fry, I prepare my cabbage a certain way. So I will um, cut cabbage in, you know, slivers. And then I add a uh, purple onion and then I add lemon pepper, lime, um, and then the vinegar of a can of jalapenos. So you have canned jalapenos with that vinegar, the spicy vinegar in there. So I douse my um, cabbage in that. I, she's, she's making like a Mexican yeah, slaw. Yeah, it's like a Mexican slaw. And I toss it all together. Guys, it is amazing. So Oh, yeah. It's the best know, thing on it, fish tacos. It's the best thing on fish tacos. Um, and so I use that and a red salsa and some avocado slices. And it's money. So if you were here all night listening to us rant and, and talk about fish farming, then you have this little bonus of getting my secret recipe. So good it's a good that. recipe. <laughs> it is a great recipe so you're welcome i didn't even think about that Matt. uh yeah it, there's so many good ways to cook the fish too there's a I mean, but the prawns i see a lot of people just toss them on the grill yeah, yeah, I've never seen that, so we'll have to experience that. Yeah. But moving on to our next episode next week, which is going to be really cool. Um, it's actually one of our higher highest in demand, just because my husband, he was really set in you know farming in ground for a very long time. Kind of got burnt out on that because we lived in West Texas, where it was a desert climate, desert so it was freaking wasteland, very hard to desert farm, wasteland um, in the ground. But we did, and then it. there and was, was rabbits and moles and every. Regardless, though, his garden was amazing. Yeah. Um, so if he had the ability to grow like that in West Texas, where it was just dirt, a desert, uh, hard dirt, you know, it was a very hard farming. Um, I'm really excited to see what we can do here. But um, when we moved, you know, we had a we lived in this in the burbs. I mean, we still kind of live in the burbs. We're we're very, very close to closing on our house and property, but we are still we stuck just in the finished burbs. the last of the paperwork. Yeah, we did. And sign the paperwork to allow them to start yes. construction on the road and the foundation and everything. Yeah, so we're super so, excited about super that. Super great. Um, but we were in like this limbo where it's kind of weird to grow and, and start up a farm and, and things no, like that. No, they're renting so, a house and they don't yeah. like they, they, they tend to frown on just like <laughs> grown digging up the backyard. Right. Tilling the yard. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Um, but either way, we did above, you know, ground uh, farming. So yeah. Eric will talk a little bit more about that. But that is our next episode next week. And we're super excited because that is one of our episodes that is a high in demand for urban farmers. Yeah. Everybody wants to kind of learn about uh, the aquaponics or the, the hydroponics type stuff. And uh, we, I came up with, I let the beer speak to me. And uh, <laughs> uh, combined like six or seven different uh, hydroponic styles to come up with our own 
and it was a super fill safe way and uh we took a lot of pictures automated fully, and fully automated. automated with one pump and it was super awesome and we'll totally go over the entire build list how it all worked how it all put together uh and throw in a bunch of pictures for our uh next week's podcast is gonna be a lot of fun this one's a little bit shorter guys because we didn't have as much material to cover so it's not going to be our typical 90 minute episode uh what are we missing we're missing uh plants of the day we haven't done plant of the day oh and you didn't do skill of the day oh we didn't do skill of the day those are you uh, so i don't know if you're ready plants of skill. the day uh, the plan of the day is going to be the purple passion asparagus. Ooh. So this is a purple asparagus. Uh, the best, the the best thing about them is they're twenty percent uh, more natural sugar, so they're much sweeter. They're, they stay tender much longer. The problem is because they are sweeter. Bugs like them a little bit more. Um, they have uh, much sweeter stalks. They're super vitamin rich. They have that. Uh, that purple vitamin everybody loves. What's it? That serotonin, anthocyanin, or whatever it is. She's gonna look it up. It's a fancy word that I don't use. Um, they're they're super tender, so you can eat them, but much later and when they're much larger, right? Mm-hmm. You just can look up purple vegetables, mm-hmm. vitamins. There's a there's a word for the for the the vitamin that they have. Sorry. They have a nutty flavor, just like regular everyday uh, asparagus. Um, they do turn green when they're cooked, because just the, the chemical reaction when they when they're purple. Uh, purple. Uh, now anthocyanins. Anthocyanins. See, I was kind of close-ish. Ish. Ish. <laughs> so, as with all of the other uh, uh, asparagus, they're super cold hardy. These guys are really heat tolerant, and they're slower to bolt than your standard green ones. So, to um, to plant these guys, you're going to wait till the you know, spring when you can start working the soil. You're going to dig a 12-inch wide, like a foot-by-foot-by-foot trench, right? So, dig a foot-wide trench, a foot deep. Mix in your compost, any sort, like a regular everyday fertilizer, your organic fertilizer, whatever you want to mix. I use a lot of animal poo or like dead fish, stuff like that. Um, And then you're going to make mounds that are about 18 inches apart. Okay. Y'all ever planted uh, roses? You planted roses. I think you planted roses with me, right? Mm -hmm. Where you make the mound and you put the rose on top of the mound so that the the roots go down the side of the mound. You're going to do the same thing with these asparagus crowns. You're going to get asparagus crown. You're going to make a mound. They're going to make them about 18 inches apart. You're going to put the asparagus crown on the top of the mound so the roots go down the side of it. And then you're going to fill it. You're going to backfill it with dirt. The reason that you do that is it is if it ends up getting wet, like like super like if your trench fills with water, the the roots are already disseminated enough, and that they that the top of the crown will get out of the water quicker. Mm. Right, makes sense. Uh, also, it just it causes a big root structure to grow right off the bat. So once you've made. Um, your your bed, asparagus bed, you're gonna go. Like they last forever, ever and ever and ever and ever. Like uh, asparagus beds, they can live for 
10, 20, 30 years, as long as you take care of them. So I don't ever let them go to seed or I try not to let them go to seed. Um, I try to harvest them. I'll like, you know, I'll let some get a little bit bigger, but I try not to let them go to seed because I don't want them to self-replicate other places. From seed, asparagus takes forever, many, many years to fruit. From a crown, you can start getting your uh, edible, like asparagus later in the season. Uh, about that is it's just going to get better every year. Like just you'll get more and more asparagus every year. Uh, I like to plant them in blocks. So I'll do like uh, I'll dig out an entire area and do like maybe 10 plants across by 10 plants deep. You know, so I might do 100 plants in an area the size of someone's a very large living room. And then so I'll just have like the asparagus forest. And then when it's asparagus season, everybody gets asparagus. And whether they like it or not. And then excess asparagus, you can can it, you can pickle it, you can fry it, you can store it, you can freeze it, you can do a whole bunch of fun stuff with it. Pickled asparagus is pretty awesome, guys. It's really good. Uh, it freeze dries pretty well. Uh, it does not dehydrate super well. It turns into like leather. Um, that's about it as far as that. What do you want? What do you want to do for the skill today? I forgot about what, I forgot about skill today. I don't know what I want to do for the skill today. Actually, um, what was something cool I did? I did something cool recently. What did I do? Um, what did we do? We made a cake, but that's different. Yeah, I made threw together a cake from random. Yeah. Randomness. Um, I would say, what did we make recently? Most recent. I made a bunch of hot sauce. Oh, well, we talked about that. The Thai chili. We were yeah, about that. we talked about that. Okay. It's still, um, still spices. going. Like, you know, we talked about us making your spices. We talked, well, we talked about spices. We did talk about We talked about spices. Okay. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Skill of the day. Um, sucking at picking out a podcast skill of the day. <laughs> Sucking 10 stars. Drop the ball. 10 out of 10 stars. Literally. How to do that is to just simply forget that you were supposed to do a skill of the day. Problem solving. We're problem solvers. You know, I would say that that's a skill. You know, a lot of people are like deer in the headlights when, you know, a tough situation arises. But us, we could look at a situation, kind of reverse engineer everything and make it work in our favor. So, you know, with how to get around, you know, certain compliances, things like that, which we're not condoning. Skill allegedly. Of skill of the day is allegedly. allegedly make a membership bro. Yes. like a club okay so skill of the day is adventure club get on facebook and make yourself a facebook club like uh like a facebook page for your farm club so it looks semi-legit i mean I mean, totally legit, right? Like, totally right, legit. Totally, totally legit. Totally. Yeah. And then, uh, so Staples will make you business cards for cheap. I think I pay, like, 12 bucks for, what? It was, like, like 20 bucks for, like, 500. Yeah, like, 20 Something bucks for, like, 500. They're, they're ready in, they're ready in, like, four hours. So you can get uh, a card that says anything. My card just says expert. It doesn't have anything else on it. It has my name and expert and my email address. That's it. It confuses people. It's awesome. And the reason is it's like expert and what? I'm like, yes. And they're like, but yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. I mean, you can't put my husband in a box. Like, it's just too hard. Well, no I way. like, well, my, my previous one said, uh, uh, what was it, expert uh, witness? Oh, geez. My, my previous, because I know what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, hydroponics next week. Guys. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, building your club. <laughs> that'd be the that'd be the skill of the day skill of the day get around the bureaucracy build a club get some business cards make little coup punch cards out of them and uh, sell your sell your crustacean card your tilapia card your blah 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 card figure out what's going to cost you per pound it's going to be cheap you, I can't imagine that the license and the permit can be that expensive I think the I saw the problem it was like with that is, is that is the regulations they, they that come know with you it. have it and then they can visit you and, and, and pop in yeah pop in to visit you and which would be okay but then <laughs> I mean you should be doing everything right though so it should be okay, right? <laughs> <laughs> then they, yeah but then they ask questions like 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 so sir why are you naked don't you know? be suspicious yeah. don't be suspicious they ask you questions like why are you mowing like that why are you doing this you know and it's like eh, because I want and to it's my property so. do what I want if I want to intimidate the neighbors I can do that you know, just gotta keep everybody in their place. He's really a big teddy bear. <laughs> okay. So next week, hydroponics. Hydroponics. It's gonna be a really fun awesome. episode, guys. Tomatoes, peppers. Oh man, oh, our man. peppers went up on oh, tomatoes were on the roof. Our tomato, oh, our tom- tomatoes. 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 Where are you from, uh, Alabama? Were, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, but they were really well. I was really impressed and really surprised. And again, I have a big family, and they'd come over and they'd be like, "Oh, can I get some peppers and tomatoes?" I'm like, "Help yourself." And I always still felt like I had so much like to cook with. Oh, uh, we stuff, couldn't so. get away. Yeah, I felt you know I was fine. It was it was really cool. But all right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to our uh, episode, and this is going to conclude our basically our three part animal. Like husbandry, animal husbandry type stuff. We'll we might do like specific animal husbandry things like later on, like when we try to build uh, specific things, like when we do build our quail cages. I've got an idea for a new type of quail cage. It's gonna be pretty interesting. We might do one on that. Uh, and you're just gonna kind of follow along with us how we do different animal stuff and our different adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we're doing it, we'll be able to upload content to all our socials and everything, so you guys are definitely in the loop, and you can you have oh, visuals yeah. of, of exactly what it looks like. And what definitely we're follow us on the, the what do you got? Instagrams. Yeah, Instagram. We got TikTok. We got Facebook. I don't do anything with the TikToks. So that's all you. Yeah. Top ticker. Yeah. Whatever. TikTok, comment but I will thing. Um, start putting content up until we actually have you know our working homestead. So I put content on Facebook and yeah. Instagram. Yeah. So we got a bunch of stuff on there. Yeah. Oh, and our Etsy store. We're going to add some oh, more yeah. stuff on Etsy. We have our Etsy store. We have our designs. And, and guys, we do work full-time jobs. So, you know, we do this on the side just to share the knowledge. So anything that you can do to help, you know, purchase something from our Etsy, that really helps a lot and goes a long way. Yeah, or just like us on Facebook. We're also always available, guys. If you want to send a message to either the Facebook or the Instagram, uh, one of us will get back to you. Um 
If it's me, it'll be sarcastic. If it's her, it'll be nice. It'll be sweet. Um, <laughs> or if you have any suggestions to any guides that you want us to create, um, we're right now we're currently looking at different types of guides because people want to specialize in specific things. So if there's something specific that you're looking for, let us know. Uh, we'll be happy to put something together for you. Yeah, we're gonna put out a whole bunch of little eBooks mm -hmm. uh, that are gonna be like super cheap, um, but be very picture intensive we find a lot of people like like in-depth descriptions along with pictures and so we're gonna do like step-by-step -step, picture by picture how we build absolutely everything how we do everything and we're gonna put those little ebooks together and we're gonna sell them for like you know five bucks they'll be real cheap uh that'll be something you can have forever and ever and print uh, for you know print out for yourself make your own little binder uh, and who knows maybe at the end of a year or so when we have a bunch of those ebooks we'll put out a big master book that'd be super cool which would I be like pretty cool idea. which yeah. might we might actually get we might actually pay yeah. to have printed yeah but, and one thing that i don't know i've shared is like my husband is like a he's literally a sh like a chef like anything that we've ever grown or or you know any animal livestock we've ever raised like my husband butchers it my husband processes it and then he adds his own spices and his own spin and Geez, it is like literally the best food that I've ever had. And I, there's no need for me to go to a, a five-star restaurant and, and pay a $200 bill and be disappointed. I mean, when I can have, you know, that for a fraction of the cost at home and just that nothing beats a home-cooked meal that, that you grow, that you have, and that you raise, you know? So it's a, it's a different experience. It's definitely farm to table in this household. And I'm very grateful that my husband is very skilled in the kitchen because we don't just, you know, grow everything just to grow everything. We grow everything to process and to eat it. And we just make delicious food out of it. So we like our food. Yeah, we're, we're big time foodies, uh, big time foodies. Uh, so well it kind of sucks because we go out places and we're like but ours is better yeah i just can't i won't order a steak anywhere that's not going to happen because i'll just be highly disappointed oh we could um, our, our steak salt is on oh our Etsy. steak salt is on it hey there you go yeah. you guys want to try some of that it's a feral steak salt um it's made from well everything we've grown all the spices in it are we've grown everything including the black pepper we grew um the only thing I didn't do was the salt itself because it turns out turning like seawater into uh, salt is extremely labor intensive and not something I want to do. So it's just made with kosher salt. Other than that, everything else in there, like the garlic, we smoked it, we grew it, we smoked it, uh, we ground it up, the rosemary, like, uh, man, every spice in there, man, makes my mouth water. I love it on everything. It's, we call it steak salt because primarily it was invented, um, for like our steaks here at home. putting on steaks you just cover your steak with it liberally and then you just you sear the crap out of it and it's amazing mm -hmm. but, and i have friends that actually go through it and then they'll hit me up and they're like hey, yeah i ran out of steak salt you know get us some more and so we we provide it to our friends and stuff you know but if you guys want to purchase it on our etsy go for it it's quite a bit that we we, we give you uh and anything bought from our etsy is that 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 comes shipped from us, like our steak salt. We always put in some cool stickers and swag and things like that from it. Um, but yeah, so our steak salt, would love to get you all out there and get, get some of that to you guys. It has a bunch of ingredients in it, but it's all like gluten-free, blah, blah, blah. So uh, good stuff, good times had by all. Well, we love our listeners, and thank you. Hey, there's a bunch of you that have been tuning in from uh, New Zealand. 
That's awesome, guys. Love our New Zealand guys. Love our Canadian friends. Love everybody that's been been listening. We've been slowly, slowly picking up listeners. Super, super enjoy that. And uh, um, thank you for listening. And good night. Thanks, guys. Good night. Oh, wait, what's the nice thing to say today? We forgot a nice thing. Oh, jeez. Uh, nice call? thing to say. What is the nice thing to say today? Uh, don't eat Yellowstone. <laughs> um, hey, you know, there's nothing like breaking bread in your community. So, like, if all else fails, guys, cook a nice meal for your neighbors. You know, use some of your farm pickings and your your processed animals and, like, put together a nice little bistro, you know, setting for your neighbor and invite them over and break some bread, drink some wine, learn about them, learn about what they like to do and, you know, what they like to partake in and, you know, start that community up. So super important to me, but always, you know, just use things from your garden and, and impress people, you know, it's, it's, people will love it. So enjoy it. Yeah. I'd say uh, make a relationship with your local feed store. Not, not so much tractor supply. Uh, if you make friends with tractor supply, make friends with specific people at tractor supply. But overall, the giant conglomerate that's tractor supply doesn't really care about you. Um, the local people that run the tractor supply, though, if you can make a relationship with those guys, you can get some like customer returns for really cheap. That'd be like a pro tip for me. It's like, we've gotten all of our uh, generators and everything from Tractor Supply. Mm-hmm. Okay, so people are really, really, really stupid. Uh, and I say that in the nicest way possible. We got this, our, our latest 7,500-watt generator uh, because the guy bought it, took it outside to the to the parking lot, took it out of the crate, tried to uh, mount it on the back of his truck, tried to start it, it would run for 30 seconds and then stop. And so he tried that like six or eight times. Then he brought it back into Tractor Supply and put it there. Tractor Supply called us like, hey, it's a return, uh, but it's under warranty and everything like that. So uh, you can have it for like a hundred bucks. Yeah, but it won't run. And I was like, cool, I'll come check it out. So I came and checked it out. It turns out the guy had never put the oil in it. And without oil, it has an automatic engine oil cutoff. So I dumped the uh, two quarts of oil that comes with it into the engine, fired it right up, and it's been our best uh, generator ever since. So yeah, you can make some friends uh, with Tractor Supply that way. They're great uh, for that kind of stuff. But as far as like insider information, planting times, uh, seeds, stuff like that, your local your local feed store is going to be the way to go, guys. A lot of those guys uh, are retired farmers who decided they were getting older. They decided to open a feed store. And uh, those guys, you can find, you know, you can ask them like, hey, I'm wanting to, I, I need some sheep or I need some goats. And they know somebody who has goats for sale. Uh, hey, I need this or I need that. They know somebody who has something for sale. And they always appreciate it if you bring in something for them. Like uh, I used to bring in pickled goods and uh, bread and all sorts of stuff to our local feed store when we lived back towards Austin area. And I would trade all sorts of things for feed. They were great people, man. I really enjoyed it. And we've got a new local feed store that, that we like. That, that we, we like. Yeah, yeah, we discovered we like. It's great. It's a family-run little feed store. Um, 
and uh, they, you know, remember us. We remember them. We all like talking. It's great, great fun. It's a sense of community, and you can build a lot of community around your feed store. But uh, I said this wasn't going to be a long, regular episode. And you turned it into a long. It turned it in there. Imagine that. So, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. We love our listeners, and if there's anything we can ever a- answer for you, if there's any way we can help you, give us a holler. Thank you guys, and appreciate you.